This is Pod's Burgers, a podcast chronicling a Bob's Burgers obsession. So, so here's, I just moved into a new house and you as did? you know, I know. Where did you go? Fuck, I just disappeared from across the street and moved five minutes down the block. Sad. <clears throat> it is kind of sad because now I have to actually drive to this and it's, it's just not as pleasant to just. When it's warmer, you could walk, right? Yeah, but it'll take longer. Yeah. I, and I can't, I can't just get a glass of wine and totter down the street to your house. Sure. It's just, yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's not, I guess, legal. I'm so, sad. I know. I know. But we're still near. It's true. I bought a house specifically because it was near you. <laughs> that happened. I mean, and uh, people always, because for a while we talked about selling this house and people are, who knew that are always saying, are you guys still going to move? And every time we're like, well, Brittany just bought a house, right? And people look at us like we're insane. Like well, that's the reason to make real estate it, choices. It kind of is because is. there was just something about still being near that yeah. I was like, this, I like this. It's a perk. So, you know, that's what we went with. Yeah. I, I bought real estate to be near my sister. It's important. It, well, I think it is personally. I didn't realize, I mean, I knew it was going to be great, mm-hmm. but I didn't realize how much I was going to really dig it. So, and then, um, the other thing, I mean, I had a lot of very frustrating things happen at work, which made, um, watching and taking notes for this episode that we're going to do. I felt the same. Between entrepreneurs, I I had a visceral reaction to this Yeah. I told Mark when we started watching it, um, that... I, you know, the first time I watched it, I, it, it wasn't my favorite. And I said, I wonder if it's going to be like, you know, some of the other episodes that I didn't like so much the first time. And when I watch mm-hmm. it the second time, I like it so much more. And after it finished, we kind of looked at each other and he said, yeah. no. And I said, no, I, 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 I was not that I didn't like the episode. Yeah. I mean, we will talk specifics. Mm-hmm. It, it, wasn't my favorite the first time I watched it, and I yeah. don't know that I was in the frame of mind. Exactly, to watch it. that was the thing. I wasn't in the state of mind to. I'm going to to be totally honest with you. I did like it better the second time around than I did the first. I rem- I I think I paid more attention to it this yeah. go round. Um, but not only not only was I not in the right frame of mind, but because we have so little time to record mm-hmm. and we wanted to get it done quickly, mm-hmm. I had a little bit of administrative work just to tidy up some reports and some emails to send out. So I watched the episode at work where mm-hmm. I had just finished a frustrating work week mm-hmm. and it was just not, it was not, mm-hmm. it was, I feel like I did a pretty good job Yeah, though. So. I mean, I got plenty of notes. Yeah. Well, we have plenty to discuss. It's yeah. just... Um, I don't know if we're saying, I think people all over, you can just hear their, their podcast machines just, just turning off right now. Cause we are not setting them up to, to no, look forward I, to this episode. I think, I, no, I was thinking the other day, I, I think that people tune into a podcast about a show that they love because they want to share the love with the people who are passionate. Sure. But I was thinking the other day, I was like, do we not, do we seriously not not like something about this. Like, of course we hate Jimmy Jr. And we hate Jimmy Pesto and Tammy frustrates us. They still add. Yes. What is that sound? Where's our dog? It sounds like she's eating something. She's marching on a ball. On a ball. Make sure she's not going to chew the bits off. 
Okay. Chew the bits off. Don't chew the bits off the ball. Um, yeah, so, but but I realized, I, I felt like we kept saying, let's do tween, tween entrepreneurs. Wow, that's hard to say. Yeah, that's why we didn't do it. Yeah, because no. fuck that name. <laughs> um, but uh, but then we kept finding other episodes to, to do. And I think it's just because we were very hesitant to talk about an episode that wasn't really our favorite. Yeah, I mean... And that's okay. It, it, this episode in another... Sorry, I just hit my microphone. Um, this episode in another show, another series, would be one of the standout episodes. It's just that yeah. my bar for Bob's episodes is so high. Mm-hmm. Um, and most of the time they meet it. Right. And, and they did here too. They just yeah. didn't meet it and exceed it like normally. I've, anyway. I found a few things in it that I very, very, very much loved. In fact, I, I want to dedicate a section just to talk about the Wikipedia spiral and uh, walk down memory lane that I took mm-hmm. from the end credits. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Um, anyway. So... Should we start? Let's start. Okay. 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 Well, hi. Hello, friends. It's Pods Burgers. It is. I'm Brittany. And I am Jen. We are here. And we talked a lot already about what we're talking about tonight, which is tween entrepreneurs. Oh, good job. I went slow. Good. Walked slowly job. through that you, moment. You, talk, you have to say it like you're drunk. You, tween entrepreneurs. Really um, I have a couple of housekeeping items. Um, I have one. I have one. Do you want to go first? Sure. Okay. Um, just in case anybody missed it, because not a lot of Ooh. Bob's Burgers fans are also Family Guy fans. Oh, it's not what I thought you were going to say, but go on. They did a quote-unquote crossover. I hated it. I did too. <laughs> on Family Guy. And uh, it was... Uh, I, I'm not a huge fan of Family Guy as it is. Yeah. I just think that... Like, I used to enjoy it. It was kind of funny and and, and went in random places like my brain does. But they... I mean, they just have taken it to the point where I'm like, I'm bored now. Yeah. And and they did it, and they were basically just making fun of Bob's Burgers. And yeah. they referenced the fact that they're just making fun of Bob's Burgers. Which I get that that was the joke. Like, it right. wasn't, you know, because H. John Benjamin, I don't think, would have no. provided the voice if it was really mean. But no. I just didn't think it was clever was really what my beef was with it. It, yeah. it really didn't have... If, if it had been clever and mean to Bob's Burgers, right. I actually probably would have really enjoyed it. But, um, like the crossover with the Simpsons was so clever. Oh my God. It was fucking hilarious. It really was. And, and so it's kind of like, you can't really compare after that point, um, to begin with because that was so good, but then to really phone it in like they did is. Yeah. And it's, um, I, I think that they feel like they have to reference something that has become something of a pop culture phenomenon that way. But I mean, and the fact that. Okay, the one thing I did like about it is they didn't try to draw the family in the style of Family Guy yeah. like they did with the Archer crossover. Right, right. I mean, I didn't mind that. I thought it was clever. But mm-hmm. when I actually, because I heard the audio on a radio station that we mm-hmm. listened to before I went and looked at the video, and at least they left the artwork alone because I would have just, I probably would have been actively pissed off if yeah. they tried to draw it like Family Guy. Yeah. So yeah. that was pretty much all I had. Okay. We are just negative as balls right now. Balls are negative. It's going to get better. Woo. Um, okay, so I just had a couple of things. I talked about Alan Smithy yep. 
in the last episode, which is to say I didn't remember that name. So you probably, those of you who listen regularly and follow us on social media will know that I found the name Alan Smithy after Mm -hmm. we recorded the episode because I couldn't remember it during the episode and posted it on Instagram so that you would know. But what Alan Smithy is, is a name that I actually didn't realize was regulated. It was the name that people used that was actually um, the Screen screen Actors Guild? No, Directors Guild. Mm -hmm. Um recognized that if a director worked on a movie and thought it was so terrible that they had and that they had lost creative control over it and didn't want to claim it they would replace their name with the name Alan Smithy and if they did that they were then required to not speak of the movie or their work on the movie hmm. so it was kind of a quid pro quo where it was like you're you've disavowed the movie but then you're not allowed to complain about it right right um and so i just wanted to follow up for those of you who don't follow us on social media that that's the name that i was referencing in the last episode and as i was looking for you know what that name was um i actually uh, came across something very interesting Ooh, okay. and that is you know dune from our youth yes the, you mean the movie or the book the movie okay yes with sting uh, and um yes. uh, kyle is his name kyle I don't remember. What's the name of the guy that is in Dune? He was in Blue Velvet. Kyle something. Kyle McLaughlin? I don't know. But <laughs> anyway. I just make up that name? <laughs> Steve. His name is Steve. Frank. Um, so it's a 1979 film by David Lynch. He's actually the director. Um, but the, the, the TV version, the extended TV version, which is the only version I have ever seen. Right. Um, that traumatized me yeah, in my youth. Because there's a lot of really wacky shit going on in there. Okay, but Are you talking about the box? Did the box traumatize here, you? Okay. I'll, I will tell you. Okay. It is literally the only thing I remember from the movie. Okay. And it traumatized me hard. Okay. I remember a scene where one actor is lying down and another actor is saying to him, some spittle in your eye. Oh, I remember you And then he spits in the other actor's eye. Mm -hmm. And I told Mark about that, and he told me all about who it was that said it and why. And I... uh, You're like, I don't fucking care. Whatever. (laughs) Um, But that's the... Of all of the weirdness in Dune... Oh, I was going to say... As a child, Because the pain box is what freaked me out. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, Anyway... uh, David Lynch was never truly happy with any of the versions, but the one, the only one that we have seen actually has the Alan Smithy name on it. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, Chris, the archivist just confirmed I did not make up Kyle McLaughlin. That is the name of the actor. I thought it was Steve. I was wrong. Okay. So the only other thing that I wanted (coughs) to talk about um, is the the other thing, and Brittany already posted a correction for this. Oh, we yes. were talking about... I'm so stressed about this. Um, we were talking about the 1980s movie Vision Quest. And we were talking about... Um, there, there is a character in there that is a white man. And he dresses in... Uh, Native American stereotypical right. Native American clothing and claims to be partially Native American and talks about going on vision quests. And we were right. talking about how problematic that is. She's an actor that actually has right. Native American blood, blah, blah, blah. And Brittany made the comment, couldn't they have gotten Lou Diamond Phillips? And 
Okay. And I went with it because he has he plays he has native played a lot of Native American characters. Yes. Absolutely. But I, I knew the moment it came out of my mouth, I was like, fuck, is he actually, does he actually have um, uh, ancestry? Yeah. And, and, and I looked it up and I was like, not even a close, <laughs> not even close geographically. Yes. Not not even Latino. Yes. He is Filipino, which, well, partially Filipino. His yes. mother is Filipina, and his father is, like, fucking Irish and Welsh. Which, all of that is great nationality. Yes. It's just not native. And, I, I'm I mean, like, it's native to wherever they how, are, but not what we're talking about. How much further off could I be? So, I actually <clears throat> love Lou Diamond Phillips, yeah. but not the right choice yes. to replace that. So, what I was going to say is that... A couple of things. The first thing is, um, I went ahead and edited out my mistake. <laughs> oh shit! What was your mistake? Which is that I said that that character in Vision Quest was played by Matt Dillon. And upon oh. further research for the next thing that I'm going to talk about, uh, I learned that it is not Matt Dillon. It is the kid from Sixteen Candles who looks just like. Oh Matt right, Dillon. He can't played, remember his name. He played Jake. He played yeah, whatever. <coughs> Jake Ryan. Yes. And I edited that out, but I left in Lou Diamond Phillips. Anyway. <laughs> I think it's important to talk about. It is. So what you I wanted to, to do. own up to that shit. It's true. It's fine if you mix up Matt Dillon and some other random guy. Um, anyway, what I wanted to do, because I'm just going to go ahead and be real and say, uh, Brittany and I like to uh, check our privilege. And a, a, a lot. A lot. <laughs> and I'm just going to go ahead and say, we are part of the problem. Okay. And I'm willing to hear this. Part of the problem is, uh, I don't know how to say that name. <laughs> His <laughs> name is Ar- Mark Schoffling. Yeah. Yeah. Christy Archivist just helped us out here. Um, so we're part of the problem. Right. And by that, I mean, uh, we were taken in. We were snookered by the fact that Lou Diamond Phillips had been cast right. in native roles. Right. We assumed it. We went with it. Yeah. You said it, and I agreed with it. So, to make amends... But I, I want to say that I researched it afterwards. I know. Okay. I'm sweating. <laughs> um, to make up for it, I went ahead and I found several Native American actors that yes. they could have cast in that movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm just going to tell you about them really quickly. Mm-hmm. So the first one's name, and I'm going to butcher all of these names, not because they're native, but because like, I don't even know how to say that Mark Schoffling guy's name. So mm-hmm. I apologize in advance. Um, so the first one's name is Zon McLarnon. Ooh. He is an actor. Um, he was on Longmire, Westworld, and he most recently was in, I believe it was season three of Fargo. And the role that he played in that season is so incredible. Mm-hmm. I, we, it, Mark and I talked about it literally for months after watching it. Are all of these actors of an age that they could have played that role back then? He would have been 19. Okay, perfect. In 1985. And he is the son of a Lakota mother. Okay. Evan Adams is an actor and playwright. He was in a, a really 
amazing independent movie that we watched when I was in my 20s. I'm now in my 40s, and we still talk about it. It's called Smoke Signals. I fucking love it's that movie. It's such a good movie. Um, he was also in The Business of Fancy Dancing. Ooh, I want to see that. Um, he would have been 19 in mm-hmm. 1985, but he looks super young, so he could have even passed for 16. Nice. And mm-hmm. he is an Aboriginal Canadian. Oh, interesting. Um, Adam Beach is another actor. He was also in Smoke Signals. He was in Wind Talkers, Law and Order SVU, oh, Suicide Squad, Flags of Our Fathers, that amazing movie Joe Dirt. Oh, yay. Walker, Texas Ranger. Of course. Um, he would have been 13 in 1985, but he looks way older than, mm-hmm. than, he, than he is in real life. Um, he is from the Salto First Nations, which is a branch of the Ojibwe. Nice. Okay, okay so, um, and then I went ahead and said, hey, what if that character, I mean, novel, was a, was a female friend? Oh, yeah, yeah, good. Could have done that. Yep, yep. And you could have cast Irene Bedard, mm-hmm. who is an actor and a voice actor. She was also in Smoke Signals. Sorry, I didn't mean to go three times to that, but they're just amazing actors. She's best known, though, as the voice of uh, Disney's Pocahontas. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, she would have been 18 in 1985. Um, <laughs> these I'm definitely going to butcher. She is in Upyet. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Uh, you pick... Inuit, Cree, and Métis ancestry. Um, So there you go, Hollywood. I mean, a really quick... It's not that fucking hard. Search. All right, so should we go? Let's do it. Okay. Um, I think it's my recap time. Oh, thank goodness, because I didn't write it down. So... (laughs) And I I don't write it down. I just wing it. So I don't know if that's better or worse, but... um, Wang it. We're going to wang that sucker. Wang that mother. Um, okay, so Tween Entrepreneurs is um, the there's an A and a B story, um, and the A story is that um, all of the Belcher children, in addition to Tammy, Jocelyn, Zeke, and Jimmy Jr., are all in a class um, a, about being entrepreneurs. So it's basically a business class where they come up with a concept and they form a company. Um, I think a lot of us have probably been in similar classes when we were in um, middle and high school. Um, So I thought it was strange that the younger Belcher children were involved with that. Mm -hmm. Um, I think Louise makes reference that literally every other class that she goes to is worse than that one. And Mm -hmm. that's the only reason she hangs in. Yeah. Um, So basically they, um, they have to come up with an idea for a product to sell. They have to go through, you know, manufacturing it, marketing it, selling it. Um, making sure that they're investing their uh, profits appropriately, um, all of that kind of stuff that just goes into uh, just the very basics of business. I have a note here that says, is this class actually just a social experiment? Right. (laughs) Because they end up sorting themselves into management and workers. Yeah. And I swear that there have been experiments like that that have turned violent. Yeah, yeah. So they end up, um, so they go through, um, they show a montage of a few of them coming up with their ideas for what they want to sell. And, and Louise's, um, uh, what's it called? Wait, pitch. Louise's pitch, she's drawing it on the chalkboard. And she's like, okay. And then the metal comes down to this tip. And it's basically, she wants to, she wants to manufacture and sell knives. Which I, <laughs> I let's think be real, lovely. would sell well. Oh yeah, for sure. But maybe not such a good thing for school. Yeah. And then um, 
Zeke's, I, I, you know, I honestly don't even remember what his actual product was, but it's, um, he wants to call it the hot nut sack. <laughs> Did you know, I don't know if you, you know, have looked this episode up, but in the fandom, there is a, uh, hot debate about that joke. Really? Yeah. And it, it basically is two camps. It's people who think that it's really funny and people who think that it is far too crass and too mm. easy. And I am of the opinion that they are focusing too much on the hot nutsack and not the fact that Zeke genuinely does not get that what he's saying is crass. That's the joke. Well, and I think that's exactly the reason why it didn't even make me bat an eye is because it was the Zeke character that delivered it. Had it been anybody else, that lo- joke wouldn't have landed quite as well. Because, Gene. Because, well, yes. Okay, you're right. Because I I think it takes a character, although the the extra layer to the fact that it was Zeke is normally Zeke would like a joke like that. Right. And would intentionally make a joke like right. that. But then didn't realize mm-hmm. he was doing that. Gene would just be completely obliv- oblivious to... Like when he calls Hugo a thirsty bitch. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. So um, where was I in this story? Okay. So they... Uh, the pitch, oh, and then um, regular size. Oh, I forgot to mention regular size Rudy. He's also involved in the class. Poor Rudy. I know. <laughs> Little darling guy. He His product um, that he comes up with is, um, I can't, what's the name of it that he gives it? I don't remember. It's the, it, it's, it's, it's to hide his inhaler. Basically. Inhaler hider? Yeah. That sounds right. <laughs> he, he basically hides his inhaler in a baseball mitt. Um, and it's just sad. And then Jimmy Jr. comes up with a product that actually reminds me of our mother. <laughs> Did you write this down too? No, I actually hadn't thought of that. But as soon as you said it, I yeah. get it. So he comes up with the idea of the wood chuck. And it's a piece of wood that he's sanded down and, and uh, varnished and then put a smile and googly eyes on. And then everybody's like, oh, yeah, I want it. And Jimmy's whole shtick is you have to want to hang out with it. <laughs> yeah. So um, it reminded me of something that my mother would talk about constantly when we were kids constantly. I think she just wanted somebody to say it was a good idea. Um, but she said she wanted to figure out how to make something called a little something. I still don't understand the angle to this. I mean, her whole thing was, you know, when people say they're just going to, they just want a little something. And I I never... I've literally never heard anybody say that. I never knew how to get her to understand that that is not a universal... I mean, sure, you can like assume what it means, but it's not like it's a universal phrase. It's... it's, Yeah. and it sounds very much like just something our mother and father would say to each other. Right. Yeah. I mean, and for me, but she was, she would talk about it all the time. Like it was a million dollar idea. She was convinced that it would be like, like a uh, pet rock kind of a thing. I was going to say that, but then I thought, does anyone hear Cause pet rock is a long time. Well, ago. it really is. It's before our time even, but it was a, it was a big, it was a big thing. It was one of those really stupid things that pop culture items that people were really into. And all it was, was a rock in a box. Yep. That's all it was. And it was a pet rock. And it, they sold millions. Yeah. Anyway, so Jimmy Jr. And wait, they, wait, do you remember how every year at Halloween, she wanted us to dress up as the measles or the chicken pox, yep. which, you know, considering what's happening now, like in today's really world, super is sad. sad. But, uh, so you, you, 
she, you know, she would excitedly tell us, you get construction paper and you cut out all of these really big red circles and you put them all over you. And then throughout the night, you just take them off and you give measles to everybody or throughout the day or whatever. And by the end, you know, you don't have a costume on. <laughs> yeah, that's great, mom. Good, it's good thinking. actually kind of a topical costume. Yeah. Think about it. Yeah. So um, they choose Jimmy Jr.'s um, product because everybody's very stoked about it. And then Tammy immediately jumps in being the big mouth bitch that she is. Um, oh, gosh, I feel sort of bad. She's a big mouth bitch, right? Uh, sure. Okay. <laughs> uh, Jen doesn't, you know, whatever. Well, I, I, the reason why I said that was I was trying to think like, I mean, I don't really like when people call women bossy or little girls bossy, but you know what? She's a bitch. She really just, she, 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 she kind of just has, you know, a problem. She even cuts off the one moment of humanity that Jimmy Jr. has in this episode. Yes. Yes. The one moment. I, I noted that as well. Not that she cut it off, but that he had a moment. Yeah. So, um... Tammy jumps in and says, Jimmy Jr. is obviously the president of the company because he's the one who came up with the idea. She's obviously the, the vice president because literally nobody can say no to her. Jocelyn tries. Mm-hmm. Um, Jocelyn, they never actually say for sure, but she turns out to be the um, like the receptionist slash secretary. And then Zeke is the guy who sits on the edge of the table and like gives people wacky nicknames. Yeah. Which leaves uh, Rudy and the Belcher children as uh, the production line. Rudy, Rudy is put in charge of sanding the, the wood, which you'd think they would have at least throughout the episode, he's begging for a a A mask mask. so he doesn't breathe in the, the dust and, and aggravate his asthma. But you think at least the Belcher children would trade with him. So he wasn't the one sanding. You would think. I'm trying to think of which of the Belcher children would do that. And it's kind of like, I mean, Tina would have asked, but I don't think she'd notice it on her own. Louise would have a really Louise reason why she can't. Mm -hmm. And Gene would probably... He's not aware enough to notice. No, no. And he'd probably be like, yeah, but I've I've farted just enough in this chair. Yeah. I've gotten it all farted up for me. It's mine. Um, So Rudy is sanding... Tina is lacquering. Um, Jean, I think, is putting on the googly eyes, and then Louise yes. is putting on the smiley faces. Yep. And that's their production line. And it, essentially, the episode, it, it's it's referencing the fact that everybody who's in the quote-unquote management portion of it is um, reveling in all of their success about Woodchuck and taking all of their profits and putting it back into things that benefit them, like a soda it's not really a soda machine. It's a carbonation machine Mm -hmm. and then snacks. And the others are just working their asses off, uh, and not getting any of the benefit of it. And so it's that kind of commentary. Eventually the, um, Tina goes to talk to the management group and she starts saying it, you know, it's not really terribly fair. When do we get to switch off? And that's Jimmy's moment of humanity where he says, Tina's right. This is actually not fair. We should probably switch. And Timmy's... Timmy? Timmy? Is there a Timmy? There's a new character. Tammy says, oh, no. And she takes uh, Tina off to the side and basically gives her some sort of made-up crap um, job position in management, or middle management, I guess, in this case, so that she will shut up about 
the troubles that they're having um, and still get some of the benefits and then they can continue eating snacks. Um, B story. And then we can come back to A story with any specifics. Uh, Jen looks like she's dying. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, Yeah, You didn't really finish the A story though. Well, I, okay. And then it, it turns out, yeah, you're right. This is actually pretty, pretty awesome. Yeah. So um, the kids finally uh, get fed up with everything that's been going on. Uh, they tell them to up their uh, production of woodchuck, but take less time to turn out woodchuck. And so the kids start cutting corners. And there's this amazing song that's um, half-ass in it, one cheek. What is it? Hold on. Quarter assin. They're yes. not just half assing yes. because Gene thinks that's too much ass. Mm-hmm. They're quarter assing it a little bit of the cheek. Yep. Is this song. And it is it's catchy. So fucking good. Um, so they're uh, quarter assing it. Uh, Tina comes over and says, Why are you doing this? And then the kids are like, Fuck it. And they're out. So Tina has to come up with a new idea that will take less time and less money to produce. And she comes up with the mini version of Woodchuck that is just an unfair. Um, unsanded, unvarnished version that's smaller with googly eyes. And no mouth. And no mouth. Uh, Jimmy Jr. does not like this addition to his vision. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't hang out with it. No, you you wouldn't. No. And uh, Tina decides that she's going to try and make uh, more money on these and also cut costs on the product that they're using for it by going to... Harold and, um, I said Harold and Maud. Edith. <laughs> Harold and Edith and, uh, threatening them uh, by going, they said they're going to go to the arts, the mega art supply store and get their googly eyes there. But she has to pay for bulk up, uh, googly eyes up front and that's a hundred dollars. And if they can't pay it back, uh, Mr. Franz says, uh, they're legally responsible for it. Spoiler alert, nobody wants Woodchuck too. Yeah, it's uh, fucking bad. It's, there's, there's just nothing to it, man. And then there's this amazing sequence where... Um, well, it's not a sequence. There's this amazing scene where Louise accidentally gives Tina an idea to get them out of their debt situation by trying to offload the company onto an unsuspecting, stupid person. And that person turns out to be Teddy. And Teddy does not, no matter how many times they talk about how bad of a deal this is, he will not take his money back. And then the best line happens. Oh, yeah. Did so you write it down? I, I sure did. So did you? So did I. Yes, okay. go. <laughs> Sorry, I have to take off my glasses to read my writing. <laughs> you think people had never seen three kids holding down a crying man and shoving money in his pants. <laughs> and there's also a debate in the fandom about that line and how it's so amazing that it should have been animated. And then there's the other camp that is, it's funny because it wasn't animated and, and you didn't see it and you're just imagining it. And I'm, I'm in, in the second camp. Me too. I am They too. made the right choice. Yeah. Because the idea of it in my head is it, like if they'd even done a quick blip of it, like they did with Gail where she was eating the lipstick. Yes. That would have been okay. That would have been okay. But I, I was Don't fine go into with the it. Whole thing. Yeah. Not no. being shown at all. Um, of course, Tina can't deal with doing this to Teddy, so she suddenly comes up with the idea. Um, she's uh, Her imagination is sparked by the fact that Jean has sat on some googly eyes and they've stuck one to each butt cheek. And she decides, oh, 
these are going to be kudchucks, and it's essentially we're gonna we're gonna sell the googly eyes, which is actually a thing. Yeah, people buy googly eyes I, to put on whatever. I am of the opinion that such a simple thing as putting googly eyes on something is is about the most high art comedy ever. It's very satisfying. I cannot stop laughing about certain googly eye. You gave me googly eye stickers for Christmas one time that you could put on like office supplies. And I loved that. Some of my favorite, it's like there are several Instagram accounts and at least one used to be a blog. I need to go see if I can find it now. Um, that uh, apply googly eyes to random paintings or stills of various TV shows and actors. And there was one where they put googly eyes on one of the daughters in Downton Abbey. Yeah. Googly eyes on, I think her name was, I think her name was Edith. I I don't remember, but it, I, I seriously could have scrolled through that site Four days and never, never lost interest. I remember that. I need to find that again now. I Um, hate thinking about the sites that I I loved from way back when. Like the brunching shuttlecock? Yes. Just gone, you guys. It's gone. Was it the toast? Yes. Yes. That that one was more recent. Um, But yeah, it's gone. Um, When you talked about uh, Jean sitting on the googly eyes... I have to mention that she says, oh, you know, you must have sat on the googly eyes and they're on his butt. And he says, that's okay. I'm used to eyes on my butt, <laughs> which is, again, so much our brother Rob. Yeah. And the dance in the, the closing sequence that oh, he yeah. does when he pops up and yeah. he's like shaking his butt oh, yeah. with the, uh, yeah, Rob, Rob, 100%. Um, okay. So I have a few things to talk about in the A story that are just some of the quotes and the references that I really loved, but I want to talk about the B story a little bit. Okay. It's pretty straightforward and and short because most of it is um, taken up by the Belcher kids. Um, Linda and Bob are dealing with a a repeated dine and dasher. He shows up one time, eats the food and runs away. And Bob tries to chase him down the street uh, and it's hilarious because he runs out the door after taking off his apron and then Linda and Teddy follow her almost follow him almost immediately out. And Teddy goes, Oh, he's chasing him. Oh, he's given up like literally that yeah. fast. About <laughs> 10 seconds of running maybe. Yeah. yeah. So, and then of course there's this, this whole back and forth between Teddy and Bob about how um, Bob could have been better if he'd just maybe not taken off the yeah. apron so yeah. much. And, this Dine and Dasher shows up again in a hat. And of course, because neither of them were really prepared to be a victim of a crime, they hadn't had a really good look at the original Dine and Dasher, so they're not sure. Even though Teddy did an amazing sketch. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he had his mouth down there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was great. No, it was just eyes and a nose. Oh, I thought she, she Oh, the nose was under the eyes. That's yep. right. It um, kind of looks like if you asked me to do a sketch of basically anything. Yeah. It's just eyes and a nose? <laughs> Pretty much. Will you draw a, a... Eyes and a nose. That's all you get, Brittany. Draw a unicorn. No. Okay. Eyes and a nose. That's it. Um, and then they're debating it. And of course, Linda's like, oh, I can very subtly find out if he's the same guy. Her interrogation is just not great. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, turns out it is the same guy wearing a hat and mm-hmm. he runs again. He shows up a third time and Linda and Bob are like, oh my God, are you serious? What, what is happening here? And his story is, 
I just want to warn all the restaurants in the area that my brother, my evil twin brother, is a dine and dasher. Um, and then he says, you know what? I'm actually going to buy food from you. I'll pay up front just to prove that I'm not the dine and dasher. Gives them money and then through a, a variety of uh, verbal tricks ends up walking out without paying for his food. That is the most complicated con just to get a free hamburger. Yeah. Well, he really, really likes their food. (laughs) As it turns out. He turns up a fourth time at the end of the episode, and they're like, you are, no, I mean, what's up? And he's like, yeah, I know, it was me, but your food is so delicious. I have never hit a place three times in a row, and I want to be a regular customer. And again, one of the things that I love about Bob's Burgers is that they resist the tired trope of he's a terrible businessman and a terrible cook. No, his food is amazing. He just has no idea what he's doing as a businessman. Yep. And I got to respect that. The good food part. Yes. Because I I can't tell you how many times I, I am not kidding you about this that I was like I really want a good burger where should I go to get a good burger if only Bob's burgers were real we'd be regulars I would Mm -hmm. I'd be right there by Teddy and Mort yep um anyway it, it turns out at the end of the episode that they're like fine you can be a regular customer but you give us your wallet at the beginning there is no giving change back everything that you give us Everything that we take to pay for the food, the rest is tip. And you have to sit at the counter away from the cash register and the kids will tie you up with duct tape and we'll feed you the burger. (laughs) It is amazing. And in uh, true Belcher fashion, Tina uh, goes over with her little pad and asks if he wants, you know, a train style, a plane style of being fed. He chooses train. And then, and then she writes it down. Yep. I love it. I love it. So, I mean, that's, that's pretty much all there is to that, but it was, it was one of those very classic, very clean lines where it was sort of like, you could see exactly where the thread was going, but it still had that charm because you had the characters adding their little flair, like, like Teddy criticizing, uh, Bob's running after the, the dine and dasher. Mm -hmm. And, and then the whole scene where he was the crime sketch artist and it was just, um, the voice of the, the dine and dasher is, um, Oh, it's a guy I know a lot. Oh, Tom Lennon. He's been on a few episodes, so. Have you ever dined and dashed? No. Me either, but I did compulsively steal oh mugs from Denny's. You did. You had a I whole a set. I did. And then I and then I moved on to utensils and for some reason tongs from gas stations. Yeah, I remember you those had are a- the only huge collection of yeah, tongs, those, like the stuff you use to put like salsa and stuff on your hot dogs or yeah, get like the hot, hot dogs. Peppers yeah. And I, I don't, it's the only thing I've ever stolen in my life. Who uses tongs for salsa? <laughs> well, I was just going to let that go <laughs> anyway. But yeah, I remember that. I mean, I remember the Denny's thing, but I remember being particularly, um, kind of distressed that you were going to get caught doing it, but also intrigued by the fact that you chose tongs. I sort yeah, of loved I it. I, I don't, and, and sometimes, you know, like random signs, but never anything um, expensive. It was always just like handwritten Yeah, signs. and not like stuff like stealing a street sign where it's going to cause no, somebody to get hurt. It was like in the gas station, if it said like hot dogs, 55 cents, I would take that. Yep. <laughs> that sign with me. And I, I can't really explain it other than 
Uh, it was stealing something that I perceived. Now I need to make that clear. It was my perception as a stupid teenager, because I do understand that that would have affected the business owners. But in my mind, it was not a big deal. It was minor and it didn't have any value. And so I could lift that. And for whatever reason, it felt, you know, exciting. But you weren't actually causing any quote unquote real harm. And the Denny's mugs, I honestly just thought it would be kind of cool to have Denny's mugs. Like if somebody came over and you gave them coffee and you put it in a Denny's mug and they'd be like, Ooh, a Denny's mug. And then I could be like, yeah, I stole a whole set. Cause I was uh, just obnoxious. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, weren't we all? And also, I wore a lot of makeup. We still do. We Everybody, when they're that age, is, is a fucking asshole. <laughs> Except maybe my kid. He was pretty awesome. Yeah. Anyway, um, but yeah, I remember, I remember you doing that. And like I said, the distress of it, that I was worried you were going to get caught. And every once in a while, um, Chris, the archivist, will, and I will be somewhere eating, and he'll pick up a utensil, like a, a, like a steak knife or a, mm-hmm. a, a spoon, and he'll, he'll like the weight of it. Yeah. He says it's satisfying, and he's always turning to me and going, put this in your purse. And I'm like, no, no, because I've been there. <laughs> if, he's, if he would just hand it to me. <laughs> Jen would totally, totally steal that for you. Noted? Noted. Jen's a, Jen's a crime lord or mm-hmm, some shit. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, I want to talk about a few things um, just from the, the A story before we move on to the end credits. Um, poor regular-sized Rudy in this episode. Yeah. He is not only subjected to having to deal with all of that, uh, the wood shavings and the wood dust with his asthma, but he's, he's such a nice person that he's not going to speak up too much about it. He's just sort of going to endure it until he snaps. And he um, actually does at the end when Tina is trying to placate the kids um, and get them to go back to their proper uh, production value with a shortened amount of production time. And the kids are, are getting ready to walk out. But Rudy says, hey, I... I, I can't breathe. Can I have the, the mask I've been asking for? And Tina snaps at him to pull his shirt up over his face. And then further in the conversation, he completely loses it and screams, where am I? Everything looks like a woodchuck. And I feel so strongly for him. It makes me devastated. And, and then Louise yells, you broke Rudy. <laughs> Mark felt the same way, but Mark loves regular size Rudy. Well, I do too. And not only does he have to deal with that, but then at one point when they're spying on the kids who are in the the, um, executive roles. Sorry to interrupt you, but my dog is eating that ball. So I'm going to go get him a carrot so that I can take it away from him. Okay, cool, cool. I'll, I'll just wait. Yeah, it's gone. Motherfucker. Don't eat balls. That is the story, the moral of the story, don't eat balls. So there was probably an awkward cut there, and that was because we just did uh, the uh, maneuver of the century to yeah. get a ball away from my dog because he was eating it. Well, let's be real. It's a good thing I'm not in the military because I'd be screaming, what couch? <laughs> I mean, that what happened. What gun? Anyway, 
I don't even remember what you were talking about. What were I we was talking, talking about? about regular size Rudy. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Not only does he have to deal with the fact that he doesn't have a mask and his asthma is terrible and he finally snaps, but when the kids are trying to um, spy on the executive group over the um, cubicle walls that the executives have put in, he's using Dude. his nose to find Dude. it. Hey, hey. Dude. We are just never going to get through this. All right. Should I try to tell? Oh, my God. Okay. Should, How- I, should I try to tell my entire regular-sized Rudy lament again? Oh, no. No? I mean, don't, you don't have to start off from the beginning. Okay. Anyway, he has his nervous breakdown. He doesn't get his mask. And then the executive, we'll just call it the C-suite of kids, yeah. has put together these... Um, uh, cardboard box cubicle walls to separate the production line from the executive team. And um, the kids are spying over the top of it. And in order to see over the top of it, they've forced regular size Rudy to kneel down on the floor so they can stand on his back. Poor baby. I just, I hate what Rudy goes through in this episode. I know. I really but do. he's so sweet and he's so genuine. It's just like, I he's know. just the, the most... Um, optimistic, like like genuinely optimistic character. Yeah, he's like, oh no, I can deal with this. I'll eventually Always. figure out how to deal with this. His resilience, and that's why he we snaps. could all learn about that. That's why he screams, "Where am I? Everything looks like a woodchuck." <laughs> so, um, so there's that. Um, I loved the line that. Uh, Jean says, Louise yells at Tina when she's joined the executive team that she's become a suit. She's become one of them. Mm-hmm. And Jean says, yeah, and not a fun, frisky suit like Ellen would wear. <laughs> I love Jean's comments. Um, Jean also wants to put, well, he's put googly eyes on where his nipples are, but he's put it on over his shirt so that he can tell people that his eyes are down there. Oh, but... You left out the fact that he says, uh, no, you, I put them on my bosom. Bosom. <laughs> yes, he does use bosom. Which, which is also again, a Robert. Robert. <laughs> yes. He actually used bosom all yes. the time. Yes. He would, also, he would say chicken chests instead of chicken breasts. Well, I mean, there was a reason for that, but go on. So, um, and then the, the last thing I wanted to say about this episode is when Louise... Talk, talk. Talk, talk. <sighs> we just need to get through We can this. do this. We can fucking do this. <sighs> when Louise goes to the playground where they're trying to sell... What is the name of the product that Tina comes up with? She says she should have called it the Gold Series, but... Woodchuck 2. Woodchuck 2, yes. When she comes and they're, and they're unsuccessful with pushing Woodchuck 2, Louise and Jean come up and start to taunt them about the fact that they've put themselves in debt with Edith. And um, Tina says, oh, you know, maybe Edith will be understanding. And Louise says, I don't think so. And it cuts to, it cuts to Edith outside the chain link fence of the playground with a pair of googly eyes that she's pointing to, like, you know, where you like point at your eyes yeah. and then like point out and like, I see you, I'm yeah. going to get you kind of a thing. And I love that. <laughs> So much. Do you have anything about the A or B story you wanted to cover? Um, 
I just, I have a note that I've written down here and it says exactly this. I didn't have two nickels once. <laughs> I know. You used to go through the couch cushions to be able to roll enough coins to eat Taco Bell. Well, I had a, I had a jar of coins and my uh, now ex-husband and I would sit on the floor. We would par- pour the jar out on the floor and we would get, you know, go to the bank and get those um, paper things that you put the, the, you roll the coins in. This was your first husband. I know you said now ex-husband. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. 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 The first time I was married when I was quite young. Because I was like, I don't want anybody to be like, Jesus Christ. No, no, no. Still very married to Mark. Um, But I would, we would uh, roll those. Like, I know that there are fancy rolling machines, but uh, we, we were not, you know, we're not rich, Bob. We're not rich, Bob. So we would do it by hand. We would um, open up the little tubes and we would drop the coins in until mm-hmm. there was enough. And then we would close it off and then we would take that to the bank and exchange it for paper money. Take that to the bank. And then we would go, this, is, um, this was back when uh, Taco Bell had the 59 uh, 79 and uh, I think it was 99, 99 cent mm-hmm. menu mm-hmm. and 99 cent menu was too rich for our blood. So, so we would get 59. 59 and 79. Yep. Yep. I remember being <sighs> we that were poor. So poor. <laughs> but you know what the funny thing is? As much as I look back on that and I was like, yes, we were very, very poor. I still think that we were more fortunate than some people who are poor. Oh, absolutely. Way more fortunate. I guess. The using the word poor to me is, uh, I mean, we were, we were, um, you, it, I'm not saying that that's an inaccurate term. No, but I mean, it's, it's, to me, it was more, you know, we, we had very little money, but we still had a place to live. We still, you right. know, so we still had it really good. I still consider my life a charmed life. It certainly me wasn't too. easy but definitely charmed. Like even the very difficult things that happened in my life turned out to be things that were extremely, extremely important shaping of who I consider to be a pretty decent person today. And that's me. Yes. Um, I just wanted to be a generic business person too. Really? I really relate to Tina in this episode Mm because, I mean, when I was younger, I had a lot of aspirations. There were a lot of different things I wanted to be. The very, very first thing that I wanted to be was a nun. Yep. We're not Catholic. Nope. We've never been Catholic. Nope. Uh, and I remember that there was a day in kindergarten uh, where you were supposed to dress up like what you wanted to be when you grew up. And our mother asked me, okay, you know, she got the little handout and she said, okay, you know, what, what, you know, we got to get your costume together. What do you want to be when you grow up? And I said, a nun. And I remember she stared at me and then she said, you'll be a nurse. And she put me in a nurse costume. Yeah. And the whole day I felt like a fraud because I, I mean, I, I think nursing is an amazing career. It's oh, just sure. not the one that it's I wanted to be a nun. To be a That's nun. what I wanted to be. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so... You, you related to Tina because it was just oh yeah so something stable well yeah then when stable. I then I when I you know got past wanting to be a nun um it, for a while you know I think is I don't know is this gonna be, is this gonna be true I don't know uh I, I, I feel like <laughs> every kid wants to be a psychiatrist or a psychologist at some point or another in their lives I did I make that up think that's not <laughs> or is that a photographer that's not true. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm going to go with fireman or I mean, every homemaker. teenage girl wants to be a photographer. So maybe that's what I'm thinking of. But I anyway, didn't. I wanted to be a writer I 100%. <laughs> you never had a moment where you wanted to be a photographer. No, not want- even for a second. Nope. Not as a career. But just like, I'm a photographer. No, I take pictures. No, I knew too many people that that was their thing. And I was like, my thing is writing and dancing. And I wanted to be an astronaut. And that was it. Hmm. That was it. Hmm. Legit. Well, it. Anyway, I, want, I, I, I mean, I had moments where I was like, I'm going to be a photographer. I'm going to take great pictures. But I never wanted to do that as a career. Right. Um, but I wanted to be a psychologist mm-hmm. for a while. Anyway, but threaded through all of that was always just this vague idea of working quote unquote in business. Yep. And I think that that's one of the things that happens in this episode is that Tina has this idea of being in business and what that means and then discovering the reality of what being in business can really mean. Yeah. I liked the line that she says at the end where she says she would like to be like her father who was a, a really good, I can't remember how she terms it, but it's basically, I want to be a good person, but bad at business and not good at business, but a bad person. Right. Um, and, and what I, one of the things that I wrote here is there's sound business terribleness in this episode. Yep. They, everything that happens I've actually lived through this woodchuck situation. Yes, <laughs> not, I have too. Not this. I mean, we talked about this week and how it it you know this episode was hard for us this week. I didn't live through it this week, but a few years ago, I lived through a business that did very similar things mm-hmm. to the woodchuck business. It yep. was like we have this thing that is our core product, and then we are going to try to either do weird things to the production or squeeze you know, somehow to try to make mm-hmm. more money off of our core product. Oh, and here are some shiny keys over here. Maybe that'll make us more money. Right. And, oh, we're going to overinvest in all of this stuff because ultimately it's going to help and then crash. Blammo. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 I have not experienced the crash portion of it. I've experienced that kind of thinking and I've been able to either find different roles within a same company or move myself out of that company to get away yeah. from that kind of thinking. Unfortunately, it's pretty prevalent, especially if you get to a certain level within your career, which right. I basically have at this point. And I work for a company that I adore, but I had at least one person in in my company today say something along the lines of, well, you just have to work harder. And not to me. Yeah. And and it was just one of those moments where, where I was and I watched the episode later and I was like, fuck all of this. <laughs> fuck all of it. It made me so angry. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's Negative. all I had. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the closing credits. I did this I started researching something and then went into this spiral that was very music centric. And I just want to explore it a little bit with you. Um So the song at the end is called Business Monster. And first of all, Tina's dance moves to this are just like, we've talked about how Tina either has interesting or really wicked good dance moves. And this is one of the ones where she has really wicked good ones. I mean, they're, they're pretty standard. She's doing, um, what is the, the dance where you're, um, the, is it the pony where you're doing the, your arms? I don't know. I, I knew that what she was, the dances she was doing were 
like like I should know what they are. Yeah, I think and I couldn't identify. Them. I want to say it was the pony where she you, you do your arms moving up and down, and anyway, you'll know when you see the episode. Um, she's kind of twisting her leg like the twist. Mm-hmm. Um, she does the um, hopping from one foot to the other, mm-hmm. kind of. Anyway, and it's she's really got some good moves. Yeah, I mean it's it's really well drawn. And then of course Jean comes in and shakes his ass. So mm-hmm. I just wanted to point out that that was amazing. Mm-hmm. She's also wearing a business outfit, which you see um, in um, Boys for Now for Now. Boys for Now for Now. Also in uh, Work Harder Die Trying Girl. It's not. But it's it's I checked. But it's close. It's close. <laughs> but that but I did check because I thought thing. the same thing. Um, I, at first, when she was dancing, I thought, "Oh, in fact, I, this is what I've written down exactly. It's a stream oh, of consciousness." I love She's those. wearing her Sigourney Weaver Achiever outfit, isn't she? But without the hair. Wait, no, that was the outfit from Boys for Now. For Now. <laughs> yeah. It's just that generic long skirt blazer kind of big thing. earrings. Yep. Yep. Very um, late eighties. So basically, I'm listening to the music and I'm watching the dancing and I'm very enjoying it. And I was like, I really, I really like this song. And, and then I started thinking, what is it reminding me of? And there's kind of a, a, a spooky genre that um, it's kind of kitschy. You know, it, it, sometimes they'll play a lot of stuff. It's like monster mashy kind of stuff that they play around Halloween and it wasn't that exactly. And so I was like, oh, it's kind of Nick Cave or, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. So I started searching for that. Um, but I was like, that's not exactly it either. So then I started searching about what is the name of the genre of that kind of a spooky music? Do they have a name for it? Because I know I'm very familiar with industrial and gothic music and that southern gothic sound is pretty prevalent, but it wasn't quite right. Right. Um, the closest I could find to what I was aiming at, and even this is not a hallmark of their sound because there is no hallmark to their sound, is The Residence. Mm-hmm. And some of their older stuff in the 70s, um, particularly the song, um, what is it? Hello Skinny is, is close to this. Um, but then I started going down this spiral where I, I would say... Um, Spooky music, and then I would find Reddit threads or um, Wikipedia articles, and they would mention different songs. And at one point, um, like they mentioned Primus, and I'm like, yeah, it was kind of Primacy, and that that sound in the the mid '90s where they were very, it was sort of minor key, kind of spooky stuff like Primus and lots Al- of bass. Yeah, Alice in Chains did that a lot, especially with their jars of, Jar of Flies and album. And I mean bass guitar, not bass like like a bass line. Yeah. Um, and then I found a reference to the song Polly by Nirvana, which the sound is not what I was going after. Right. But the fact that that song is a reference to a, a true crime. Yep. And that reminded me of the song by Blind Melon, Car Seat, oh. in parentheses, God's, God's presence. presence. And... Whenever anybody talks about, oh, Blind Melon, they're the ones who did that No Rain song. And I think they're an extremely, extremely underrated 90s band. Absolutely. No Rain was too big for its own good. Right. And they wrote just an enormous amount of really good songs that I prefer over No Rain. But the one that always sticks out in my head is that one because it is so fucking spooky. Mm -hmm. 
and strange. Yep. And and that's where that's where the end credits took me was that yeah. song. So that song is actually about the Susan Smith uh, murder of her children. It was in 94. And she uh, left her children uh, in their car seats and put the car into neutral and let it roll into a lake and let them drown mm-hmm. and then claimed that they had been kidnapped. Um, and I don't know if you know this, but at the end of car seat, uh, in the background, you can hear him reading a poem. Reading a poem, and mm-hmm. it's actually the po- a poem that his grandmother wrote. Great grandmother, and it is uh, tattooed. Well, was tattooed on the inside of his forearm. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a poem by his great grandmother, written in the late nineteenth century, um, and it was called God's Presence. That's spelled like gifts. Yep, and it's actually a pretty lovely poem. But when you position that with this very creepy off key sort of music. And then this idea of this terrible murder, um, it's, it's striking in a way that is, um, chilling. Yeah. Um, and it, it's sort of interesting that he put it in a song a hundred years after she wrote it. Yeah. Um, I thought that you were going to say, uh, the song it's called skinned. And it's oh, actually about, I about that one. Yes. And the reason why uh, that one is so creepy is because it is the the kookiest, jazziest, happiest little tune that yep. contains kazoo. Mm-hmm. But it is all about Ed Gein, mm-hmm. and it's all about all of the th- the things that Ed Gein is going to build with body parts. Yep. Like it's, a- uh, what is it he says he wants to build a... I'll make a shoehorn out of your shin. Yep. Yeah. That's so, the I mean, that always gets it just, me. It just goes on like that for yeah. a while. So, But it's, yeah, I mean, those kinds of things. I've always been kind of a fan of that upbeat music with a weird message. That's why I really loved the, the, the artist's um, Beautiful South because they always oh, yeah. had that like super sparkliness and it was just like the most jacked up stuff that they were singing about. If you haven't heard the beautiful South, please go check it out. I love them. It's pretty incredible. So that's where the end credits took me. I was going to say, you went from (laughs) Bob's Burgers to... Super dark. Murderers. But, you know, the Burgerinos are going to love that portion. that's true. That's very true. Anyway. So, yeah. Um, Yeah, I really... I, I actually, like I said, I got some positive stuff from this regardless of the fact that it wasn't really my favorite yeah. and I was not in a good frame of yeah, mind. So. Yeah, totally. Good for you, Bob's Burgers. Well done. <laughs> Always. Um, okay. So there is a new Bob's Burgers uh, this coming weekend. So in real life, it's Friday right mm-hmm. now. So it would be uh, two days from now. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's likely the next one that we will yep. be talking about. I cannot remember what it's called. Sorry. Um, sorry, sorry, sorry. But we'll be able to record that in the upcoming week. Yep. Okay. Okay. Well. Yes. I mean, guys, as always, thanks for hanging in. Yes. We were we were tired and weird, but oh my we god, did we it. went everywhere. We did it. I'm proud of us. Yes. Yeah. Now I can go eat dinner. Oh, good. Yes. All right. All right. Okay. Love you guys. And <sighs> goodbye. This has been an episode of Pod's Burgers. Our theme song is No Smoking by the Blue Dot Sessions. <laughs>